Okay, Aaron. First, yes, I know this isn't the Blackfield Brides episode. It'll happen eventually, I promise. <laughs> but it's time that I told you a story. See, yes. this is a story of a woman who, for the first time in her life, was living a dream she'd imagined for years and never thought she'd get to have. The story of a woman struggling to understand what came next and how she fit in a world that she had to acquaint herself with, and the story of how that woman found strength and inspiration from a woman who was nothing like her, and yet everything like her. This, Aaron, is the story of why I'm still inspired by Horizon Zero Dawn. Horizon Zero Dawn. Yes. Um, let's start with some context for anyone who doesn't know what Horizon Zero Dawn is. Which um, is a great game. It is amazing. <laughs> um, and so it's a PS4 exclusive, and it is honestly a game worth buying a PS4 for. Definitely. Um, and also, hey, on the upside, if you buy a PS4 for Horizon Zero Dawn, you can also play Kingdom Hearts, and then there you go. Yeah. You talked about like two of the biggest themes in this season. For me, anyways. <laughs> so, Horizon Zero Dawn is a massive open-world game made by Guerrilla Games. It's their first game making something other than Killzone, which was these first-person shooter games, which I loved, but very few others did. Um, and it was kind of their first foray into open-world games. It's gorgeous. It's set in a post-apocalyptic world. Um, and the entire premise is like, Basically, the gameplay hook is that you're fighting with a bow and arrow and spear. You're fighting these giant robot dinosaurs. Like, you fight, like, a giant version of a T-Rex, and you fight, like, velociraptors and all these things, but they're robots. And so there's these fun gameplay mechanics and all that stuff built built on top of this gorgeous world. Um, and first off, it's important, I think, also to talk about kind of the context of Horizon Zero Dawn. So it came out in, I think, 2017. Mm -hmm. um, it's the first game from a studio that had previously only ever made first-person shooters, making a third-person action game that's open world, that tells a story. Like, the number of things that could have gone wrong with this are infinite. And yet, it came out to be one of the best games of that year. And were it not for Breath of the Wild, which is a game of the decade contender, Horizon Zero Dawn likely would have been everyone's 2019, 2017 game of the year. They came out on the same year? They did. Good Breath Lord. Breath of the Wild and Horizon Zero Dawn came out. March was was Horizon Zero Dawn, and I think Breath of the Wild was like June. I had no idea. That's insane. Same year. Which is unfortunate, because I think Horizon Zero Dawn, for me, was my personal game of 2017. That being said, I didn't actually play Breath of the Wild until 2018, so maybe my opinions would have changed, but I don't think so. Because Horizon Zero Dawn has stuck with me far longer than Breath of the Wild did. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot that I want to talk about here, but I'm going to start with both some background on me and kind of the first thing that appealed to me about Horizon Zero Dawn. I'm going to go in the order that I discovered them, not in the order of importance. <laughs> okay. So in order of discovery, the first thing you need to know about me is I am a sucker for sci-fi. That is like, so true. You guys have no idea. Oh my God. I love sci-fi. I just finished a playthrough of Deus Ex Human Revolution. I've got like posters of Cowboy Bebop and 
Horizon You're welcome. Zero Dawn. And, and, and thank you. Uh, on, on, on my walls, like some of my favorite movies are sci-fi. I'm a Star Wars nerd. I'm a Star Trek nerd. If you have a choice to play it, you pick Starfinder rather than Pathfinder. Yep, very true. Starfinder. I prefer Starfinder over Pathfinder, which is the sci-fi version of Starfinder, my my werewolf story isn't a science fiction, isn't just a a fantasy story. It is set in a cyberpunk future. So, look, the the point is I love sci-fi. And when I heard a game about hunting robot dinosaurs in a post-apocalyptic world, I was sold. I didn't need anything else. (laughs) We're good. That's it. I'm awesome. But then, like, again, we're talking, like, surface-level aspects of Horizon Zero Dawn here. The game is fucking gorgeous. If you've never seen Horizon Zero Dawn played, even on a base model PS4, just go watch it. It's breathtaking. Like, the vistas that you see, and I don't know how these fucking wizards pulled a game that looks as beautiful as any, like, modern PC game, how they pulled that shit out of a PS4. But they did, and goddamn is it pretty. I actually saw a thing on how they got it to code so far render distances. This is not how I thought I would have an objection <laughs> into this. They have a very specific type of rendering that only loads the camera, and sometimes even what's immediately behind you, and that is it. Yeah. It is so, and it was so, I saw a whole thing on it. It was really cool. And it's, it's not like it's new, but they really refined it. It's ambient occlusion. Yeah. It's ridiculously good ambient occlusion. And like, so you get these gorgeous shots where you can see like all this scenery spreading out far below you and like you have these beautiful grass physics and like and god the game is is gorgeous absolutely beautiful it's so pretty and like it it sells you on all these things but then on top of it just being a pretty game to look at it's also a damn fun game to play Mm -hmm. first off it does suffer a little bit from 2017 open world design aka pre-breath of the wild um which is that Open world games, it kind of follows the quote-unquote Ubisoft model. So you go find a point of interest, and you do all the things around the point of interest, and then after you've discovered that point of interest, you go to the next point of interest and do all the things around the point of interest and so on <laughs> and so forth. And, like, you have a little checklist of, like, oh, I need to find all these points of interest and all this stuff. And, and you go find watchtowers. It's, and- always, it's always the climb the high tower and look at the thing. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah, you're, you're like, you're going to these watchtowers and, and finding points of interest. Again, like... That is not the interesting part about the game. The interesting part about the game, gameplay-wise, is the combat. So, to me, I think that the way I would describe this and the way that I kind of stick by and the reason I think Horizon Zero Dawn feels so good to me is it feels like somebody took Monster Monster Hunter's gameplay and modernized it. Monster Hunter World is technically like literal, actual, modern Monster Hunter. Mm -hmm. But in many ways, the design of Monster Hunter is still stuck in 2004. It's very Mm. ancient tech. You're using bones and stuff. If there is anything sci-fi or techy, it's purely as like a tongue-in-cheek reference. That's not what I mean. (laughs) That's not what I mean. Hmm. I mean from a mechanical how the game feels. When I say modern, I mean it feels like a game from 2017. Monster Hunter World... While it looks like a game from 2018? I don't know, actually. 17? Whatever year that came out. Well, it looks like a game from 2000... I think it was 18. Mm-hmm. Well, it looks like a game from 2018, and it, in many ways, plays like a game from 2018. The combat is still this slow, weighty, 
heavy gameplay that we've known since 2005. In mm-hmm. fact, many of your combos will transfer directly. Literally. Right? Like, like literally, <laughs> actually. Press. I jumped into Monster Hunter World and was like, great, I am a master at these four weapons because I mastered these weapons 12 years ago. That is so true. <laughs> and like, that's not a bad thing. It's one of the strengths of Monster Hunter is that that franchise has such good gameplay and depth of feeling or or depth of gameplay and mechanical depth that you can get that many years out of its systems. But Horizon Zero Dawn is if somebody had designed Monster Hunter in 2017. Mm -hmm. Because you still have that mechanic of fighting these giant monsters and you have these melee attacks, but in, in many ways, you're taking advantage of some of the modern systems that we've developed. And one of the most notable ones is like these, like, I guess not particle systems, but like the idea that you can break stuff off of things. Um, Cause like one of the aspects of, of Horizon Zero Dawn is depending on where you target the monster that you're, or the robot dinosaur that you're fighting, um, like you're going to deal different kinds of damage to it. So like you might try and like, there's one monster or, or one, sorry, robot dinosaur that has this big like um, sack full of either um, like gas that will, shoot flames or later you find a version that shoots freezing cold Mm -hmm. um but if you shoot that enough it will blow up also fuck that monster bug robot thing i hated that thing so much yeah but it will (laughs) blow up and if you blow up like the freeze version it will freeze that monster and you'll deal a ton of extra damage and you'll kill a lot quicker or like um the the big massive like t-rex looking thing that you fight um you can break off like its gun so that it can't shoot its missiles at you and you can break off pieces of its armor so you can deal additional damage to it like the you are literally dismantling this monster piece by piece in many ways like how in monster hunter world your goal is to break different pieces of the monster right here you're doing it with bow and arrow and a bunch of other tools that you find but that's the kind of idea is you're fighting this big thing every encounter feels like a giant boss fight and you're trying to take it down piece by piece so that you can kill it because mm-hmm. it's got way more health than you do mm-hmm. um again that feels very monster huntery and so the gameplay just sold me there's so much skill involved in the way that you dodge and the way that you sneak around and the way that you use distractions on them and there's there's so many like different tactics you can take with the different loadouts and builds and I've told you before, I love loadouts and builds and mm-hmm. RPG mechanics and <laughs> leveling up. And I may or may not have 100%ed this game. I, I 100%ed this game. <laughs> That's um, been like one of the first. <laughs> no, this was not. The first game I 100%ed was Assassin's Creed 2. Really? It was the very first one. That was a good one. It was a real good one. And then I think Kingdom Hearts 2. On the PS4? Actually, no. Kingdom Hearts 2. <laughs> I, I, I 100%ed Kingdom Hearts 2 before I 100%ed. No, I didn't 100% Kingdom Hearts 2 because I never made Ultima. Or did I make Ultima? I don't remember. Point is, the first one I remember 100%ing is Assassin's Creed 2. Mm-hmm. Um, this might be like only third or fourth, though. Horizon Zero Dawn is like, when I 100% a game, it is because I adore it. Yeah, that's true. Um, and Horizon Zero Dawn is one of those games. You're very picky with the ones that you're like, I'm actually going to dedicate time with this. <laughs> I am. Yeah, I try to be. I try to only spend the time on the games that I love or that I have strong nostalgia for. So, like, I spent a lot of time on Kingdom Hearts because I really wanted to play that and horizon zero dawn even without anything else that i'm going to talk about from a gameplay and setting and visual aspect it feels so good to play the story could be utter garbage and the characters could be disappointing or even non-existent like this game could literally just be open world monster hunter without any of the grinding for armor 
and I would still play the crap out of it because it's mm-hmm. just that good. Mm-hmm. So that's just gameplay. Another thing to talk about is <clears throat> the setting clearly asks questions immediately when you get in. Mm-hmm. So you get in, and the first thing that happens is your character, Aloy, and you technically play Aloy from the moment she's born. Yep. <laughs> um, which is awesome. Like, you see her entire journey up to that point. You see her training montage, which, by the way, the theme song of that, I went and bought the soundtrack just for that theme song um, because it's so good. Um, but literally, it's Aloy's theme. Like, look up Aloy's theme and go listen to it. Like, do that right now and then come back because it's good. And honestly, if it weren't for copyright reasons, I'd ask Aaron to play it under this, but copyright. Copyright. <clears throat> so... The another aspect that's visual that draws you in immediately is again the setting. And like because you start out and and Aloy is in a character that in many ways is kind of modeled after Native American tribes. Um they have many of the same kind of religious ideals and they, you know, have a focus on nature and, and, and that sort of thing, and like their goddess is the earth mother and mm-hmm. all that sort of thing. But immediately you notice weird stuff with it, right? Like at first you're like, oh, this is just gonna be a journey through native you know, Native American kind of tribe in a post-apocalypse setting, except that, like, again, you're fighting robots, and you find ancient tech. And the first mission that you find finds this thing for Aloy called a focus that she wears in her ear that lets her see things. And in real life, in modern day, if we had such a device, we would call it an augmented reality device. But she doesn't know that, because she has no idea what technology is. Because, um, again, like, the world ended, and then it was essentially like reborn and now they are finding all this ancient tech that they don't understand and calling it magic in many ways the setting kind of mirrors Numenera, Numenera to less of an extent Numenera is an RPG setting that takes place nine billion years in the future cool. um, and there have been nine great civilizations that have risen and fallen That's super in between cool. there and so the the setting feels at a surface level like fantasy right? You're playing a fantasy setting. But underneath, they're like, oh, when they cast a spell, it's actually because they were born with a genetic augment that lets them interact with the nanobots in the air. And they can create fire out of thin air because they're using nanobots to throw fire. But these characters don't know that that's what they're doing. So it's magic. That's Numenera. Fabulous game. Well, fabulous setting for an okay game. I think there's a source book where you can play Numenera in D&D 5th edition. I'd recommend that approach because the game, again, isn't that great, but the setting is fantastic. (laughs) And Horizon Zero Dawn, in many ways, kind of mimics that setting. You're just told this is how it exists. So the characters in this game don't know anything about the setting, and neither do you. And so, in fact, the main quest kind of focuses on trying to understand what's going on in the world around you. In fact, the name is a reference to the setting and something that happens within the setting. And I don't really want to spoil the game because I think you absolutely should go play it. Horizon Zero Dawn is a must play to me. And it's also largely not just the gameplay and the setting, but we'll get into that. But the setting, again, does this great job of creating a mystery that you want to solve. Because again, like you, one of the first locations you go to is clearly a ruined city. Um, or like, technically the very first location you go to is a cave, but it's a cave that's actually used to be like a bunker. It's like a subway system too. Yeah. And like, you can tell, again, you as the player know way more about what this setting is than the character does. Mm -hmm. And it's fabulous because you're walking to this area and you're recognizing like, these are automatic doors. 
not like magical glyphs, right? Like you know more than they know, but you also don't know enough to form conclusions. The checkout line is asking you to remove item from the bagging area. <laughs> well, like one of the great things that you find really early on, like one of the first good moments, and again, I think like this is both a combination of setting, but also character moments, which I'll get to mm -hmm. later, is Aloy's a little kid when you're playing this. This is kind of the tutorial yeah. level where you introduce the focus. Yeah. And one of the first things she sees with the focus is again, it's an augmented reality device. So it shows her a video that was recorded by someone else on what would be equivalent, essentially YouTube. Mm -hmm. um, and it shows her, but because it's an augmented reality device, she sees the people moving in 3D. And she's this little kid who doesn't have parents, who's been disowned by the tribe. I'll come back to that. Um, and she sees this dad wishing his son happy birthday. And she just like, it's adorable, this cute little moment where she like sees somebody wishing her a happy birthday and smiling at her, it's not a message meant for her. And that that kind of plays at what this game does really well. So you're asking questions about the setting and now you're seeing this heart-wrenching moment that is both happy and incredibly sad. Um, and you're five minutes into the fucking game. Yeah. This game is incredible. And it's not just the surface level stuff. And that leads me perfectly into the next thing I want to talk about. So again, we're going in the order I discovered them. And the order <laughs> I discovered them next up is the characters have a lot of heart. There are so many good characters in this game. And I'm going to spoil two storylines here. Um, and in some ways, I'm going to spoil large parts of Aloy's storyline as well. But I'm going to try very hard not to spoil the ending. And I'm going to try very hard not to spoil the final reveals about the setting. Because I think uncovering the mystery of the setting is, even without the character moments, like if the characters sucked, just uncovering the, the mystery of what happened in this world would be satisfying enough. Um, and the game tells you a lot more than you think it's going to. It feels like when you're playing it, this is a game that's going to leave you on a cliffhanger and you're not going to find out what happened in the world that caused it to fall apart, but you do. You walk out of this game with every question answered hmm. and it's satisfying in every single case. But along the way, you meet a lot of good characters and you get a lot of great character moments where you see some journeys. And I want to focus on two. I want to start with one, a character named Talana, and I don't remember if I'm pronouncing her name correctly. When you first encounter her, she is just a huntress in this thing called the Lodge, which uh, there's this faction called the Karja, and, and I'm gonna do a little bit of more setup, actually, I should. So Aloy as a character, because um, some of these moments that come up are, are gonna, you're gonna have to know some of the history. So Aloy as a character is not born to a mother. She's known as motherless. And the tribe that she's born into, the Nora, are a tribe that, um, lineage is passed down through the mother. So it's a matriarchal society. Um, and you can kind of figure this out immediately from previous hints that I dropped, which is that their goddess is the earth mother, right? Mm -hmm. Like they worship the mother, they view the mother as all essential. So a child that is born without a mother, which by the way, you should immediately be asking how the f can anybody be born without a mother? Um, the answer is she was born of the earth mother, but I'll come back to that. Um, immediately like if you are born without a mother that this tribe sees you as like a demon child right because like you were born without a mother like they didn't even love you enough to for you to have a mother you're an outcast like you must have done something horrible in a past life essentially to to, to end up without a mother which means that when you first meet Aloy like from the moment she's born she's an outcast she lives with a guy called Rost um and like there's a lot of tragic events with Rost which I won't super tell you maybe i don't know um but essentially like the first moments that you spend with aloy are her dealing with being an outcast 
You find out later that basically Rost tells her, if you don't want to be an outcast anymore, there's this thing called the proving. And if you want to take it, anyone who wins the proving, regardless of where they came from, gets whatever they ask for at the end of the proving. And so she basically says, I'm going to complete the proving, I'm going to win the proving, and I'm going to get what I asked for. And what I'm going to ask for is I want to be part of the Nora again. I don't want to be an outcast anymore. I don't want to be on my own. Because this is a child who grew up with an old man who was forced out of the tribe of the Nora. Because Rost is an outcast. Because the thing about the Nora is if you're an outcast, the Nora are not allowed to talk to you mm -hmm. or interact with you at all. Like it's a tribal sin to do that. And Rost is also an outcast. Although you don't learn why. I think you do eventually, but you don't learn why at the beginning. Not um, for a long, long time. Yeah, not for a long, long time. And so, and also there's another kind of thing going on with the Nora, which is the Nora live in what they call the heartland, uh, which is within these great walls that they've constructed. And they don't let, like they rarely let anyone into their walls and they rarely let anyone out. So, like, a Nora to leave the Heartland is a grave, like, sin, again. Like, it's a fast way to get yourself considered an outcast unless you have permission from the tribe to leave. Which is the only way to get permission from the tribe is to be a seeker. Seekers are allowed to go to the outside world and communicate for trade and, and various resources and that sort of thing. But everyone else is kind of stuck in the Heartland. So, Aloy as a character begins the game with no friends, no family, except for an old grizzled outcast who is raising her and mentoring her, but in many ways is a teacher rather than a father figure. Um, and she has the singular goal of completing the proving and winning the proving to become a Nora. Well, she wins the proving, um, and it, which is such a rad scene because you like I realize in hindsight I'm still excited about that scene because you still feel that energy of like I'm gonna do this and you take like a secret shortcut and various stuff which I think is scripted that you're supposed to take it but it feels like you found it in the moment it's great it's awesome like it's such a good moment and a payoff for all that training but she does win the proving the thing is something tragic happens at the proving which causes everyone who's involved in it to be killed and there's a lot going on here that I'm going to gloss over because I really, really, really want you to play this game. Um, but the point is, when everyone kind of dies, Aloy is the only one who survives. And the Nora ask her and basically make her a seeker and ask her to go out and find whoever did this and get vengeance. Um, because again, she won the proving and her last wish was to be honored as a Nora. And so she's going to be a Nora and they ask her to be a seeker to go save everyone. Um, and... That's how she gets to leave the Heartland. But keep in mind, like, she was still shunned by her people. She's now kind of has this stigma of winning approving and being the only one to survive. So everyone kind of blames her because there's grief associated there of, like, why did my child not survive but you, the outcast, did? There's all that kind of stuff going on. And that is Aloy's story at the start of the game. That's within the first probably three to four hours i think definitely yeah. it depends on how thorough you are if you're like me and do everything and your goal is to 100 percent the game this could take you 10 to 12 hours to get to but if you're not being super thorough you can get through this in probably two it, it's pretty early yeah so okay um so let's jump back to talana she's one of the characters you meet and i'm pretty sure i pronounced that differently last time and i'm probably going to pronounce it differently in the future but whatever <laughs> um she's a member of the Cardia. so what do you find out when you're Aloy and you finally escape the Heartland is there is a whole world outside the Heartland. And the Nora always said like it was a terrible world and it was sucked and 
you know, we in the heartland have it way better. We're better than them. They wish they could be here instead of like all that classic insular. We live behind giant walls talk like certain modern day politics. Anyway, the point is that like, that's factually wrong. <laughs> you meet the Karja. The Karja are a very wealthy group of people, but they have a really dark past. Their dark past is this thing called, I think his name is the Red King or the Mad King, I think is what they, they call him by. But basically they had this guy who would round up slaves and first off, he would take slaves, which is the first messed up bit. And the second messed up bit is he would throw them in arena to fight to death. And then he just started arbitrarily sacrificing people because he said the sun god told me to do it. And he went nuts and all that. Rome. Stuff. Got yeah, it. Yeah, Rome, pretty much. <laughs> um, so Talana is a member of the Karja. And the Karja is the first kind of society that you interact with. It's the big capital. The Karja you meet really early on. You go to this city called Meridian, which is Gorgeous. It's a city built atop some cliffs with like bridges connecting it. There's these fancy elevator systems to get up to it. It's rad. It's beautiful. Go go look at it. Uh, also, I apologize to people listening if my voice sounds like it just changed. <clears throat> That's because it did. I have phlegm and stuff and it sucks, but I'm going to keep going. So when you get to Meridian, you find this thing called the Lodge. And the Lodge has... Um, it's, it's basically like, think of it like a hunter's guild, right? Like they're going to give you quests to go out and hunt things and you go hunt them and come back and show them that you hunted them and then you get more quests. Um, in some ways it kind of feels like some guilds from Elder Scrolls Oblivion. Um, but there's a overarching storyline and that's the first thing you should know about Horizon Zero Dawn is if I can recommend anything, it's do every side quest. Because the thing about the side quests in this game is oftentimes they're going to feel like main quests. And to me, this lodge was the first one that kind of felt like that. So I went and did the lodge quest. And this could have been a throwaway quest. It could have just been a way to introduce, I think it's the Thunderjaw, is the giant T-Rex thing. Could have just been a way to introduce that boss fight, and that would have been fine. And you could have had some random hunter follow you. But the hunter who's with you for these quests is called Talana. And she's amazing. So she is a huntress who is good enough that she's trying to become Sunhawk the leader of the lodge. Except that the Sunhawks have been traditionally male and traditionally of a specific type of Karja. And she's neither of those things. And But she still wants to be Sunhawk and she has the guts to prove it. And, and annoyingly for the Karja is they know that she has the ability to prove it. But again, sexism and, and like hints of racism and, and bigotry is she's probably not going to be Sunhawk. So the person who became Sunhawk, who's a royal dick and is a dick to Aloy as well, uh, sends you off to, to help her kind of hunt down this big Thunderjaw. Um, and you hunt down the Thunderjaw. And I forget every moment in this quest line, but over the course of several quests, you not only help her kill the Thunderjaw, but you help her do it in a way that lets her become Sunhawk and unseat this giant dick lord from his, like, you know, throne. Um, and there are a bunch of little moments with this character. And, and that's the thing is, like, Again, this has phenomenal gameplay. This could have been a game with a terrible story, but you get these fabulous conversations. So like with Talanol, one of the key conversations, and the one that I'm going to keep coming back to because it stands out constantly in my head, is Aloy has this conversation with Talanol. And Talanol, when she first meets Aloy, says, ah, Aloy of the Nora, because the way that you kind of introduce yourself in this game is, 
or, or the characters introduce themselves, they say, here's my name and I'm of this tribe or this, or like, you know, group of people. So like, she's Talana of the, the Lodge and, and Aloy is Aloy of the Nora to the outside world. But there's this fun conversation where Talana is talking about how she doesn't kind of fit in, how she doesn't fit with the Lodge and the Lodge's ideal for a Sunhawk. And Aloy has a kindred spirit because remember she was an outcast right the nora don't really treat her as a nora and she has this moment where she says um it's funny when i was in the heartland surrounded by nora i was known only as aloy but as soon as i leave the heartland i am known as aloy of the nora if anything i should be aloy despite the nora <laughs> which gives you this fun moment later where talana after aloy has helped her become the sunhawk says um like you know, I will always remember your help and I will be indebted to you, Aloy, despite the Nora. <laughs> and you get this fun callback to of, of Aloy and, and this conversation that you had with this character. And Talanoff feels like, in many ways, a real person. She has real motivations. She's really trying to overthrow and, and you feel her struggles against this like sexist and racist regime that is running this thing that she loves so dearly because to her, the lodge has always just been about hunting big things for glory. And as she got older and participated in it, the people who run it twisted that dream. And so she wants nothing more than to take that dream back. And it's like, this, again, could have been just a throwaway. This was literally the only point of this character from a mechanics perspective is to be an NPC to help you fight a Thunderjaw. That's it. That's all she needed to do. But instead, you get these great character moments where Aloy has to, in this conversation with this theoretically throwaway side character, come to terms with the fact that she is who she is despite the people who raised her. And that's fabulous. Like I said characters that have heart these are characters that i remember and that i remember their conversations to this day i still remember the aloy despite the nora conversation because it means so much in the moment that's so funny you mentioned that because the video i was watching just last night it was talking about four essential quests that you get in every game no matter what it could be literally any game and it's always going to be essentially exposition or exploring you're gonna have all sorts of uh, exploiting the world, which is where you go gather quests, the uh, exposition where you learn about the world, explore the world, where you actually go and visit a new place of the world, and then finally you have execution, which is go kill something. This was this was literally just a go kill this thing quest, and they didn't have to integrate such a good story into the world, but they literally carefully wove this character, this entire hardship, your own main characters. Uh, plot line dealing with their struggles into this one character as well and it, it's just such a beautiful quest. <laughs> it's so good and it's a, I think it's a series of quests. I, I remember three quests with Talanoth specifically mm -hmm. but yeah it's, it's fabulous but there's another character that I want to call out here and I think this one may be my second favorite character in the game and his name is Erend. So the first time you meet Erend you are still before the proving. You first meet him as these are like foreign dignitaries who are visiting the proven, the, the proving, and he's one of their guards. But he's also kind of more than just a guard, because the first time you meet him is 
um, the Nora are, I think, having like an argument or a discussion or something about like how there are outlanders in their heartland and all that sort of thing. And I forget the exact context, but he basically gets up on stage and gives a big speech. And his speech is like, we need to unite. We're not just Karja. We're not Nora. We're here to celebrate, like that sort of thing. Like, I, again, I forget the exact context of the speech, but he basically has this moment where he gets everyone together and like, oorah, that sort of thing. Like, let's go have a good time. Okay, so that's how you first meet Aaron. He hops off the stage and you have a conversation with Aaron. Because, um, and, and I forget again why when he hops off the stage, um, or no, I remember now. So Aloy goes to speak to Aaron because again, this is pre-proving. So like these are kind of the first people outside of the Nora that she's interacted with. But one of the people who is with Aaron also has a focus. And she's the only one who's had one up to this point. It's this little like triangle piece of metal that you wear on the side and uh, or on one ear and it lets you see things. And, and again, it's an AR device, um, a very advanced AR device, but an AR device. And for the first time ever, she sees somebody wearing one. Um, and so she tries to go up and talk to this guy, but as soon as this guy sees that she has a focus, he's like, how did you get that? And then freaks out and leaves. And Aaron comes up to talk to her afterwards. And is like, ah, oh, don't mind that guy. He's kind of just a you know, off in his own world, doing his own thing, and kind of gives you some backstory. But that's Aaron. But the moment you start talking to him, you're like, man, this guy is a greaseball. First off, go Google Aaron Horizon Zero Dawn and look at his haircut. He has like mutton chops and a mohawk. Like this guy looks like a greaseball. And then on top of that, the first thing that he does to a character who is maybe 18, I have no idea how old Aloy is, but she is clearly like probably 20 years younger than this guy is Aaron hits on her. Um, literally in the first conversation that you, that you, you have with her and he's like dropping subtle hints and it's kind of funny. Um, his character in general can be some summed up as acts before he thinks and then realizes <laughs> what he did afterwards, at least for the first. And so again, like it's this character that you meet and you're like, this is just some weird greasy guy who is just like out here as a guard and you find out when you talk to him. And of course I played it to a hundred percent. So I asked him all the questions and talked to him fully and that sort of thing. And I did this with everyone. Um, but you find out from Aaron that he's the brother of the captain of the Karja guard. So he's kind of a big shot and he thinks of himself and the way he carries himself and the way he hits on random girls that he's just met for the first time who are kind of cute. He he thinks he's a big shot, um, at least when you first meet him. And again, he's, but the, the way he talks about his sister is he clearly, like, extols her. He clearly views her as, like, this awesome person. And, like, he talks to her about, like, oh, yeah, it takes a lot more than a cut, like, a, a platoon of armed guards to take her down. Like, that sort of thing. Like, he respects her. So, um, again, and... This could have just been a throwaway guard character who was creepy and hitting on Aloy. But here's what happens when you get to, to Meridian. And again, I'm going to spoil completely Aaron's storyline. So Aaron's storyline is getting completely spo spoiled here. When you meet Aaron in Meridian, he's suddenly captain of the Karja Guard. He's been promoted. And uh, you find out it's because he got back to Meridian, his sister was murdered. Um, and... At this point, like, this guy who seemed fun-loving and full of himself and a big shot is kind of a drunkard, bent on revenge for a dead sister. Over the course of his storyline, you go on this quest and help him find clues that show that his sister wasn't murdered but kidnapped, only to get there to save... You, you get there to save his sister, 
only to find out that his sister is dying when you get there. And so you watch this character who could have just been a greasy lowlife watch and hold his sister in his arms as she dies and has this moment where this sister basically tells him like grow up because the thing that you find out he even says this in the conversation with her he says i'm just a useless drunk you're better and he views his sister as this person who is way better than him and he views himself as worthless and he doesn't think he can live up to be a captain and yet here is the person he idolizes dying in his arms and over the course of the missions you help him show that he is a good captain, that he can be a leader of the people, and more importantly, you help him find that self-confidence that he wanted everyone to think he had at the start. From just a guy who was hitting on you at the start of the game. <laughs> and his final conversation with you, he says this line where he says, when I first, and this isn't his final conversation. There's one more conversation afterward, which is a big payoff, which I'm going to get to. But the last conversation you get during his storyline is he looks at Aloy and he says, I remember when I first met you. I thought I was talking to some nobody from the middle of nowhere. Or I thought I was a big shot talking to some nobody in the middle of nowhere. But now I can see I was just lucky enough to get a moment of your time. And then, and, and he says... And, and then the last thing he asked, which like almost brought me to tears in the moment, he says, just don't forget me, okay? But again, like this is Aloy's story as much as it is these other characters. Aloy says, uh, um, or like something it somehow gets to where Aaron says, maybe if you're in Meridian, you can give me a minute of your time. And Aloy says a minute, eh, maybe I could spare two. And Aaron finally says two, hey, she likes me. <laughs> and again, it's like all these moments that you get with this character who could have just been a throwaway but i have these vivid memories of these conversations like the line ah too she likes me sticking with me for years later because aaron felt real you watch him and the final conversation you get with him and the final confrontation which i'm not going to tell you what the final confrontation is but there's a big battle at the end of the game and you have to like call all your you know all the people you helped and uh, this is another reason to do the side quest is you get payoffs with every one of the characters you help. And if you help all of them, they're all there to help you. That's cool. Um, but the payoff conversation with Aaron is he is now leading a group of forces and he rallies them while they are terrified. Again, this guy who you spent the game helping him. And again, like just a side quest, you help him gain his self-confidence enough that he could lead others. And that is the payoff you get. This is a game about Aloy. It's a game about a setting and killing giant robot dinosaurs where the main story, the big reveals of the main story are about the setting, not the characters. And yet here is a character that has a more full and complete arc than many other movies or video games or series that I have seen come to conclusion over the last decade in one side quest. That is Horizon Zero Dawn. <laughs> and that is a reason to play it for these characters. But... Again, these are all things that stick with me. And I will think back to these character moments as moments when I, like, when I'm writing. I still think about the little things that people did to get, you know, the little things that they did to show you that this character was getting there. But it's not the big reason that I'm still inspired by um, Horizon Zero Dawn. See, there's a third one, and I hinted at this earlier, but there's a woman in this story that I admire. And that woman is Aloy. See... Aloy's story is best summarized as finding your place in a world that you're not sure you belong in. 
Because remember, Aloy was treated as an outcast, right? She was thrown out from the Nora, and now everyone is saying she's of the Nora, but she's not really of the Nora, and she's Aloy despite the Nora. And the game, her story throughout the game is about finding herself. So I want to give some context here, because 2017 was a hell of a year for me. Um, and 2017 was the year that I went full-time. So again, for context for anyone who's listened to this show and not Transistor Radio, thank you, by the way. Um, go listen to our other show and then also come back here and listen to more of this show because this show doesn't have a lot of listeners. Go so do thank stuff. you. <laughs> but I'm a trans woman. Really? Yeah, surprise, right? <laughs> and 2017 is the year that I went full-time. Specifically, I went full-time in March of 2017, suspiciously close to the release Horizon Zero Dawn. <laughs> and see, here's the thing. I struggled in 2017 because, again, as I hinted at in my intro, I'd gone full time. I was finally the woman I'd always wanted to be. I was living the dream. And yeah, there were some minor things that I still needed to do, like surgery. But for all intents and purposes, I was Athena, finally, the person I'd wanted to be for years. And what I found was terrifying. Because here's the thing, I'd spent two years dreaming of this day to come. I never thought about what I'd do when I got there. <laughs> and all of a sudden, this person that I wanted to be has no personality. Because what personality did I have aside from my transition? Was I was nothing without being a trans person because that was all I'd had for two years. And I didn't think I had that many interests that I could find. Like I struggled to find my own interests. I struggled to connect with friends that I'd had. In many ways, I felt alone in a world I thought I'd always wanted to be in. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> See, that's the thing. Um, I needed, in many ways, to find something I didn't know how to find. And yes, I recognize this is about, this could sound dumb in some context, just get this from a video game, but Aloy, over the course of Horizon Zero Dawn, finds the strength to be herself. She finds the strength to be someone despite the people who raised her. She finds the strength to know who she is, to know who she wants to be. And I want to summarize this with a moment where she gets out of talking to the Earth Mother. And I'm going to leave that vague because that means something very different in this context than the Nora think it does. But again, I want you to play this game, so I'm not going to spoil that reveal. Um, but she gets out of you know, speaking to the, the, the Earth Mother. And speaking to the Earth Mother in Horizon Zero Dawn for the Nora, again, like, that's their god. And she just spoke to their god. And so she walks out, and they all start bowing down to her. And you have a choice of how you react here. And I chose the one that felt corresponding to my Aloy as I was playing her. But... It's this moment where she basically tells them all to stop worshiping her. She says, stop, get up, and literally pulls people to their feet. And she has this moment where she says, um, you shunned me while I was just anyone else. But now that something along the lines of like, you shunned me, but now that I've spoken to your God, you're worshiping me. And she has this moment that all of these little character moments have been building up to. This moment where she basically tells the Nora to collectively fuck off <laughs> and that she is not their promised savior. She is not the one who is here to like anointed by their gods to save them. And she also tells them, you are not better than anyone else for being behind your walls. You are not better than anyone out there. They are just as good as you are. 
And she, again, like from an emotional payoff perspective, that's huge because you literally got to go tell the people who were bullies to go fuck themselves. But at the same time, it's also a payoff for Aloy. Because again, over the course of the whole game, we watch Aloy struggle to know who she is in a world that she doesn't understand. And she's in this world that she always wanted to be in. She's in the world of the Nora, and she realizes it's not what she thought it was. Remember, at the start of the game, Aloy's only dream was to be a Nora. But now, she wants nothing less because she realizes how messed up they are. <laughs> and while my journey may not be the same as Aloy's, that journey of finding myself and finding who I was, now that that cloud of what I thought I wanted to be was gone, hit so hard. And it was exactly what I needed to hear in that moment. And there are a million little character moments that I am forgetting. There's the ending of Horizon Zero Dawn, which I don't want to talk about because the final cutscene is so much more impactful if you've never seen any of it, so I don't want to spoil it. But in as much as this game is about telling you the secrets of its world, and it is about slaying robot dinosaurs, it is about the story of a girl trying to find her way in a world she never thought she'd be a part of. And see, Horizon Zero Dawn, it was more than just a pretty game with neat mechanics and a cool post-apocalyptic world. It's also the story of Aloy, struggling to find her place in a world she barely knew existed, fighting to throw off the stereotypes of her past and forge a new life for herself that was hers and hers alone. And it came at a point in my life when I needed to do the same. Yeah, my life doesn't involve shooting arrows at giant robot dinosaurs, as Yet. cool as that would be. <laughs> But it was full of the fear of the unknown, the struggle to fit in the shoes of the woman I'd always wanted to be, and the crushing nightmare that maybe I'm nothing without my transition. But in Horizon Zero Dawn, I found the story of someone becoming something greater, becoming Aloy despite the Nora, in the same way that I needed to be Athena despite my sex. And that story moved me. It inspired me, and it drove me to be become someone that I could look in the mirror and respect. And that's why, Aaron, I'm still inspired by Horizon Zero Dawn. Still Inspired By is a Story Thus Far Network podcast. You can email us thoughts about the show, topic ideas, or anything else that you want us to discuss at staff at storythusfar.com. If you want to see other things that we've made, come check out our website at www.storythusfar.com. You can also find us on Twitter at at storythusfar or on Facebook at facebook.com slash storythusfar. If you'd like to connect with our community, you can find us on Reddit at r slash storythusfar and on Discord, which we'll have links to in the description. Thank you for listening to this episode of Still Inspired By. Join us next week when Aaron and I tell you about Shinigami, potato chips, and words that can kill. Thanks for listening. listening.